0: Hello Woodworms, I'm Ray Defterius, and this is the Hand Tool Book Review, the podcast for people who love woodwork and love reading about woodworking too. Are you interested in a woodworker who was born a hundred years ago? Or perhaps a furniture maker so inspirational that there's still a style of plane commonly referred to by his name today? A character who changed the landscape of woodworking as it were. Well today's book review is on a cabinetmaker's notebook by James Krenolf. And it's a book that many people refer to as one of their favorites. I've been procrastinating this review for a while because I'm going to be a bit counterflow on this particular book. Bear with me for a bit if you will. This is my opinion, not an absolute view of truth. And before you start sending the hate mail, please listen to the following episode, where I'll be reviewing the impractical cabinet maker, which, spoiler alert, I like a lot more than the cabinet maker's notebook. The book is available in a paperback letter-sized format a soft cover large format if you will. It's predominantly black and white, with a few colour plates included. So who was James Krenoff? I'm going to read a few extracts from the Wikipedia page that will give you some idea of his background, and maybe share some surprising tidbits to those of you who are already familiar with him. He was born in Russia in 1920, but his family left Russia the year after that, and he spent some time in Shanghai, China. Then they moved to a remote village in Alaska, where they lived for seven years while his parents worked as teachers. Jim recalls airplane drops of goods and supplies onto the snow for villagers. And, in one of those bundles, was a good steel jackknife. From the time of six, he started making his own toys with the jackknife. Eventually, the family moved to Seattle, where Jim spent his teenage years. A love of the sea inspired him to begin building model boats at first, before he graduated onto sailboats. He said he loved the lines of boats. There's hardly a straight line on them, but there's harmony. People think that right angles produce harmony, but they don't. They produce sleep, Krenov said. In 1947, Jim and his mother moved to France, where he met his future wife with whom he travelled in Italy and France, and they spent many summers in the mountains of Sweden, where they liked to hike, and he fished for trout in the mountain streams. Always the writer, Krenov published several articles and wrote a novel chronicling these travels. A friend in Sweden got Krenov a job building wooden architectural models for a restaurant designer and then later Krenov got himself a spot at the Stockholm Design School. This was run by Carl Malmsten, considered the father of Scandinavian furniture design. He attended the famous Malmsten School for two years and then struck out on his own, keeping a shop in his basement. He toiled anonymously for many years, but gradually built a reputation for his simple designs. Once established as a master woodworker, Krenov began sharing his expertise. He says that over time he received numerous requests to document his design philosophy in a book. In 1976, his first book, this book, A Cabinet Maker's Notebook, was published. The positive response to the book first surprised Krenov, but he ended up writing four more books. Krenov also taught and lectured about his approach to woodworking at many places and many schools, but in 1981 he was invited to start the fine woodworking program at the College of the Redwoods in Fort Bragg, California. His work is displayed in museums in Sweden, Norway, Japan and the United States, as well as in the houses of many royal families. In 2003, fine woodworking magazine asked Krenov how he'd like to be remembered, and he responded, as a stubborn, old enthusiast. Krenov died in Fort Bragg, California on September 9, 2009. He was 88 years old. I think that these snippets will hopefully give you the sense that James Krenov was well-travelled, internationally recognised and successful as both a craftsman and as a teacher. What I found interesting when preparing for this podcast was that I hold two contradictory thoughts in my head. The first is that the message of the book is solid and the craft displayed in his furniture is exceptional. The second is that the book itself, viewed purely as a book, is not one that I'm overly impressed with. I guess in a way the book makes allusion to this. Right from the start. It's called a notebook after all, and I'd caution any reader to be aware of this before purchasing the book. From the first page, you'll be assaulted by a quite eclectic set of pages. There's a poem about a woodcarver that sets a scene on page one. But aside from poetry, you'll also find some grainy photos where the inclusion of them didn't really feel to add much to the book to me. And then alongside those, there's some wonderful pictures that are very clear and I highlight the forms. In particular, The colour pages are exceptional, but there are only four of those included in the book. And then again, there's pictures where the cats are covering the furniture. It's not that anything is particularly bad, or obviously missing, but this is a book that does not feel to me like a cohesive book. If I compare it to other books that I've enjoyed in woodworking philosophy, Korn, Rogowski or Schwartz, what is highlighted by those authors is that they've worked really hard to keep a golden thread of thought through the stories, And in particular, if I highlight Schwartz here, pictures are used to frame, to complement and to move the story along. They don't feel overly indulgent or like additions that were kept in because they were important to Chris at a personal level, at the expense of the narrative. So let's leave it there. It's a scrapbook, a notebook, ideas and images, sensations if you will. It's not a book that is refined and framed. And perhaps for many people this is the charm of the book. I remember listening to an interview with Stevie Nicks from the band Fleetwood Mac, where she shared that on some of her later solo albums, her friends would often comment that the finished product, while polished, was inferior to the original first draft recordings. Perhaps, with this book, the message in the book would have been lost if it were more polished. And heck, as someone who encourages woodworkers to leave fingerprints on their work, a roughly planed underside to a drawer for example, maybe I'm being a hypocrite to ask for uniformity and polish in this book. What I do like about the book and what I think Krenov does well is to approach the work from an angle that probably feels outside the norm today but I imagine was revolutionary at the time. The message that he spread must have seemed like a foreign language to the popular definition of furniture at the time. Let's bear in mind that this book was published in 1976 and it's safe to say that many long-time fans probably read his notebook as a refreshing counterculture to the router, table saw right angles that were prevalent at the context of the time. So what does the book contain? Well first there are stories about Krenov's life, and often these stories are in direct response to a question, either explicit or implied, like how at the book's start he's asked about his relationship with wood. I think that the importance that Krenov placed on using wood, as it related to locally sourced logs, and the care that went into selection, and the time spent waiting for unique or special wood, is the first glimpse into his head and his approach to the work. It's a message that is completely different from modern, homogenous mainstream lumber production. I think it's safe to say that many of the planks Krenov worked with would be considered defective in today's standardised industry. Curls, burls and unique grain, these were what he was looking for. And he was prepared to wait for it. To air dry it. And he acknowledges that although this was easier to achieve in Europe with a close bond to a sawmill, it's achievable nonetheless wherever he was. Interweaved into these stories of how he approached situations and particularly work, a general philosophy starts to emerge. It's interesting that Krenov was quoted in later life as saying he liked being considered an enthusiastic amateur. In that way he could be true to what he wanted to create, and he wasn't subject to the pressures of having to make something as a craftsman which was held to the whim of other people's ideas, their standards, their desires. It's a sentiment that is quite different from other journeys, say for example Hiller or Korn, who are pretty blunt about the realities of choosing this life. I also think that one of his ideas that resonates today with the amateur woodworker, but must have been pretty radical then, is the disdain he feels for machinery and improvements in speed that require changes in design as a result of making a process more efficient. Look, let's be frank. If you don't know where Krenov stands on curves versus 90 degree angles after the first few stories, you need to go back to the book, to the beginning of the book, and start paying attention. Even where his deviations from 90 degree are relatively slight, the pieces all seem to have a flow about them. And one of the elements of the book I most enjoyed were the little insights you gather into his way of thinking about a piece. Perfectionism is covered, or striving for perfection. And in this way the book has lessons for us all in the shop though it's clear that these ideas are not without cost. There's a bit where James clearly states that he doesn't want anyone else doing work on a piece, not because he's better, but because regardless of whether they're skilled or unskilled, they are different from the way in which he would tackle things. Throughout the book there are a number of pictures that support the text of the stories, although the placement is not always linear in terms of the text flow. However, regardless as that may be, I did find the quality of the work Krenov did to be quite inspiring, and I enjoyed being taken behind the scenes, as it were, so as to get an appreciation for the little hand-tooled follies that he incorporated into his work. But there's a lot of value over and above the pictures in the book. The stories, the anecdotes about his approach, stories he heard or ways of doing things, are really at the core of the book. And at a practical level, about two-thirds of the way through the book, he makes some comments on pieces he made in the preceding four years, 1971 to 1974. And I think that this part of the text will be of value to any intermediate level woodworker as he takes the reader through a number of design decisions. It's these intimate details, like how he sets a door at a slight angle, and why he did this, that really make the pictures come alive. I'll be honest, personally I don't have the skill to incorporate many of the subtleties he shows us, but there are always takeaways and simple touches, like how a latch can be done in a manner that personalizes the piece. My favourite part of the book comes near the end. It's semi-autobiographical and will attempt to answer the question Why did you become a woodworker? I enjoyed the dozen or so pages that tell Krenov's story. It's a bit where I would have liked to have known more, to be honest. And then, kind of awkwardly, the book ends after one more question. I was left with a bit of a hollow feeling. I enjoyed the parts, but the sum of the parts leaves me feeling it's a little bit lacking. Maybe it's my desire for a golden thread through the book or just the way the narrative is constructed. But for me, this wasn't a book to read and love, and read again. It was more of a time-filler, you know, when you've got an evening by the fire in winter, put your feet up and read a section that you like. Keep a bookmark handy, and mark where you left off. Come back a few months later and read another section, and so on until you're done. For me, it wasn't gripping or a page-turner. But I guess that's okay, as long as you know what you're getting. The book is by no means a bad book and I guess I just expected more given the hype and mythos around the craftsman. What I do like in the book is its appreciation of simplicity and letting the wood speak for itself and the absolute commitment to doing your best without regard for other people's praises or ideas. It's an honest book and I'm giving it a 6.5 out of 10 in the category woodworking philosophy. Again at this point I'll caveat my ranking by pointing out that at Amazon 117 people have given it an average rating of 4.6 out of 5 and on Goodreads there's another larger group of people who've ranked it as a 4.4. So basically on my scale this should have been a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10. So that might counterpoint some of what I've said in this podcast. To incensed fans of the book I apologize for my score. Join me in the next episode where I discuss the impractical cabinet maker which I personally like a lot more than a cabinet maker's notebook. At $15 to $25 for a second-hand copy as at August 2021, A Cabinet Maker's Notebook by James Krenoff is okay value for a book that is only 132 pages long. So that's it for now, woodworms. And remember, go put some curves in your next piece and keep reading. As always, I'm deeply indebted to the people who support the show and a particular shout-out to William Fitzke, who signed up as a new patron recently. One last thing. I guess a nugget or an easter egg if you will. If you haven't been watching Big Timber on Netflix I suggest you take a look at it. It's kind of a cross between chopping down trees and life below zero and I really enjoyed it. If you have any comments or suggestions perhaps a favorite book you'd like to suggest or one that you're considering buying that you'd like me to feature drop me an email at handtoolbookreview at gmail.com